Have you ever seen something that's happened in your life that you thought was previously impossible? You ever had something like that happen where you just, something was not possible and then all of a sudden it was? There's a small group of people, uh, they're called Texas Rangers fans. And, um, and God did the impossible somehow, some way. And there were many of those uh, clips that I could have shown and felt like almost showing for like a half an hour, but I'm just gonna hold back. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna stick to the word. But I did wanna just keep showing these things because uh, uh, when you have something that is impossible, that kind of, what it feels like, listen, uh, the Texas Ranger, or listen, first of all, I understand. Uh, They're not a national entity, all right? The, The Yankees and Red Sox and Braves or whatever, you guys, it's good, real Glad for you guys. But there's, there's those of us that have suffered for a long time. And the Lord's with us. Um, but I say that because the organization has exi- existed for 63 years and has never seen or experienced a world championship before. And it felt impossible before. You can go a good amount of time, something like 63 years, you can go a good amount of time, like two weeks, and you can... It can be really easy to give up hope on things that seem impossible. So I just want to to lead off this morning by just beginning to ask the question. What's going on in you and your world, wherever you're at? Maybe it feels impossible. Because that's why we're here. I mean, part of the Christmas story is just getting to be confronted with what you think isn't actually possible. That's what this story is actually going to bring to us. When you talk about even the Christmas spirit or even use that phrase or use that term, in fact, often it's connected to this idea of magic or this idea of something special taking place or special happening, whether it's movies or cards or stories or anything like that. They center around something really special taking place, maybe even seemingly impossible, if you've ever seen maybe The Grinch or whatever. The stories of the impossibility taking place because the spirit of Christmas is in the air and all that is actually just a shadow of a reality. It's a shadow of a truth. There is a spirit. He is very real and he absolutely can do the impossible. I wanna say that again. There is a spirit. He is very real, and he absolutely can do the impossible. And so our question that we get to wrestle with this morning is, can you trust him when it feels like maybe the impossible can't? That's what I want to lean into this morning with you, Luke chapter 1. You've probably heard and read this story 10,000 times. And yet it's rich every time you have an opportunity to lean into it. We're going to start in verse 28 this morning. The angel is going to come and accost a young woman named Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall 
call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the, most, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and, in this, and this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now let's just let that rest for a minute. How much is impossible with God? Quite literally nothing. And Mary said, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This moment so much more than magic or so-called Christmas spirits. This moment that we're in even over this next few weeks is more than about wonder and Children being lit up by presents and all the generosity and all the great things that we'll get to experience and all of the fun activities. I mean, all of it's great. I have no problem with any part of any of that. But the season is about the Spirit. This season about the Spirit who has come to make the impossible possible, period. And it's what we're meant to be asking and leaning into over these next few weeks, just to keep asking this question, God, you do the impossible. So what does it look like for the impossible to be possible? And that's a promise for all of us, not just for the, this, the sweet, blessed Virgin Mary. I do want to take a moment just to look at her life and her story and see the spirit of Christmas at work in her life and find out that it's the same spirit that's at work right now in you and me. Now, uh, I need actual help. Is, do we have any like sixth or seventh grade girls? I don't, do we have a sixth or seventh grade girl in here? You got, hey, Nora could, Nora, could you just stand up real quick? Stand up. Hey, y'all give it up for Nora. She's amazing. Okay. Come on. Awesome young lady. She's a great representation. Let me tell you what you're looking at. You're looking at Mary. Now, maybe it was probably a little darker complected. She came from the Middle East, but this is what, when we're reading this text and this scripture, she's exactly what we're looking at. I'm so grateful for godly families and godly young women. You can have a seat. Thank you for doing that for us. You're awesome. All right. Everybody wants to come to church to get called out. That's for sure. <laughs> Scholars widely believe Mary was somewhere between 12 and 14 years old, maybe within a year of that. 12, and 14, 12 to 14, somewhere. That's it. Why 12? Well, if you go back to understanding Jewish history, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term bar mitzvah. It's what happens with young Jewish boys when they turn 13 years old. They have a celebration moving from being a young man into a 
full-grown man, 13, seems kind of young. Well, they had the same thing for women. It's called a bat mitzvah, same thing, except for when women uh, came in their celebration, they were 12 years old, 12 years old. Now, that seems incredibly young to me for these transitions, but the reality is these transitions, this, this tradition and this celebration goes back way, way far. Even days before Joseph and Mary, when young men and young women would marry early, by far and large, because the life expectancy was really short, and it was time to get towards living life. And so what happened is, is they do these celebrations and then within a short amount of time after their bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah, they would be what you and I would call betrothed to each other. Mary was betrothed, or the Hebrew word is called the kedushin. And she had been betrothed to Joseph for about a year. And that betrothal is effectively like dating. They were seen as being together, except for in dating, there was no breaking up. This was it. And they got connected because mom and dad said, this is who you're gonna marry. And so her life was kind of set up. They were like legally and socially already together. So by the way, Nora, if you want us to pick someone for you, we, can go, we got you, girl. We can just do this. You don't even have to worry about it, all right? All these things took place right after these celebrations of moving into manhood and womanhood. In our minds, these are kids, They're kids. But not in that day. Just living life. She knew what she was going to be doing for the rest of her life. Mary already had it mapped out, right? She's going to marry Joseph in the next year. She's going to be the wife of a carpenter. She's going to have as many kids as possible. They're going to live in Nazareth probably the rest of their lives. Nazareth, by the way, just a little backwoods town, kind of tucked into the hills in the north of Israel. And it feels like Mary, in many ways, is just an inexperienced kid. She's not a family of any kind of influence or means. In fact, she's, for all intents, but very likely, she doesn't, she's never done anything in school or career, meaning she probably can't even write or read. Education's not a big thing, especially for young women in these kinds of backwoods little villages. She's the most unlikely candidate for this role. That's why, that's why God does what he does. And I kind of love that about the Lord. I don't know about you but it just gives a little bit of hope because you just tend to, I don't know, I think maybe even especially in America, we just feel so pulled towards people who can do amazing and great things. We're so enamored by influence and followers. We often are so moved by people who can create and build amazing organizations and do fantastic things and it's just the craziest thing. God is seemingly never, ever looking for that in the word. He's actually just looking for something that's going on internally. So you could be here even this morning and not seemingly great you might even wrestle with looking at other families or Instagram profiles and just going like, man, I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be like that. And the Lord's going, you know what? I don't need any of that. I'm actually just looking for a heart that's willing and ready. 
That's exactly what the spirit of Christmas, if you will, is here to do, is to look for the one that seems impossible. The little backwoods young lady, that's who I want to carry my presence and my son into this life. He wants to find her to do what feels impossible and make it possible. And we have to be careful because I think it's easy to actually elevate her in some way. In fact, I think in some faith traditions, maybe even where you came out of, uh, it's easy to see. In fact, there's kind of a swing of the pendulum. There are some uh, that would look at her story and not feel like there's a parallel to us, but in fact, there very much is. But what they want to do is either swing the pendulum and make Mary this uber awesome, amazing, or uh, if you didn't come out of that tradition, then you go, oh, we just kind of leave her to the side. And I think the Lord wants to just rekindle the story where we get to look in and see she's actually just like us. You know, there's a lot of places that'll, in overreaction to the glorification of Mary, will pull away and say like, ah, she's not an important part of the story, but she is because she's you and me. And I'm grateful for the historic church and the ways that they've operated in so many ways. We're here today because somehow the faith continued to move forward. But there are many that have put Mary in an unhealthy place as well, right? Where she's become maybe a, a, a elevated. In fact, there's some ideas and thoughts about her throughout history where she was even untouched by original sin. The implication is that, that she herself didn't actually need a savior, but hear this, she needed Jesus just like you and me. Bible's clear, everyone for all have sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Church, that include, included Jesus' mom. She just desperately needed Jesus. She was the mother of her own Savior and Lord. That's what makes her unique. But beyond that, she just like us. She needed the sacrifice of Jesus. It's often taught that Mary was the perpetual virgin. She was, never had relations or never had a real marriage with Joseph, but that's not true either. Matthew chapter one, J Joseph is getting accosted by an angel as well, and he woke up from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. The clear implication here is there was a season where there was no connection or consummation, but then after that, they were regular married couple. She was just, just like you and me, Joseph, just like you and me. And if you truly believe the word of God, Jesus had siblings and church, they came from somewhere. It's often taught that Mary was taken bodily into heaven, meaning she didn't die and she was crowned queen of heaven and her role is to intercede. And a lot of people will pray to Mary or maybe if felt compelled to have to pray to her or many other saints. And I just want to say the scriptures are going to tell us this. There is a great cloud of witnesses. We're so grateful for their testimony and their lives and they're looking down and they may be, in fact, actually praying and uh, interceding for us, but you won't find in any way, shape, or form 
a call to us to pray to anyone else that says there is one high priest, Hebrews chapter four, his name is Jesus. He goes before us on our behalf and he alone is the conscious saving place of our lives. Jesus alone is our high priest. Jesus alone sits at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Jesus alone, and not Mary, is our redeemer and savior. So I want you to hear this. We're, going to talk, we're talking about this young lady this morning, and I understand there are things that have been taught about her, things that are, many things that I think counter the scripture. And because of that, a lot of people see Mary in a, a kind of a different kind of a light. I just want to set the record straight. Here's the news. Mary's just like you and me. In need of a savior. Her journey just like our journey, shouts, we are in desperate need of a spirit who can do the impossible in us. If you put your shoes, or yourself in her shoes for even just a moment, we actually get to think about what's taking place here. If we'll step back and go into this moment. All right, Gabriel, this angel comes and says, listen, you're going to give birth to the Savior I don't know about you, I'd have, I'd have some questions about that. How's that going to work? Actually, Mary just asked him one question and she was effectively saying, listen, I, I understand the birds and the bees and um, I don't know, if it's, it's, it's a phrase that we say in the South, but uh, that dog don't hunt. I don't know if y'all have ever heard that, you know? Y'all know that phrase? Maybe that's just hick West Texas people. We just say that all the time. So how's this gonna work? Now, I actually just wanna take a moment for you who were here last week or if you listened to last week's podcast. Uh, Zechariah had the same thing that happened to him. He was accosted by an angel. Angel came to him and said, there's this miraculous supernatural things that are gonna take place. He has some questions. And the way that he asked the question, he finds himself with a shut mouth for the next nine months. Can't speak. We talked about it last week. Mary actually is here asking this same question. Why does she get off so easily? It seems like maybe they're the same thing. But the Bible actually has such a rich, uh, deep insight into it. I just want to make, and make it clear what's going on between Zechariah's question and Mary's question. When Zechariah asks his question, he does so with doubt, asking for a sign. He actually says, how, how can I know that what you're saying is actually going to be true? He's looking for a sign, by the way. I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus has got myriads of people around him in Luke chapter 11, and he's going around, and his like, heart is aching because he's looking at this generation. He actually says evil because you guys are constantly looking for a sign. You don't want to have to exercise faith inside of you to believe for something that is far beyond you. Nobody wants to do that. We always want to be able to see, taste, touch, and prove you guys want a sign all the time. That's where Zechariah was at. The angel comes to him. He's like, where's the sign that I know this is actually gonna happen? As if for the record, an angel standing in front of you is not enough. <laughs> he didn't wanna have faith. And can't, come on, let's be honest. Sometimes we don't wanna have to operate by faith. You ever been there? Come on. I know you have. You wanna operate by what you know, what you sense, not by a faith and a trust. And the Lord's saying, can you trust? 
And he said that to Mary. Mary has a question too, but Mary asked her a question. It's actually from a place of believing. She just wants to know, like, well, I don't, I know how these things work and I don't know how it's gonna happen. I'm believing what you're saying is true. I just don't get how it's gonna work. And I love that because here's this. Here's the reality. God isn't afraid of our questions in any way, shape, or form, but he does want us to come to him with sincerity and trust. Not afraid of the question. He just wants us to come with sincerity and trust. And that's right where Mary is at in this moment, just sincerity. Lord, you said something's gonna happen. I don't, I don't really get how, I know how things work naturally. I don't understand it. But whatever you say, I'm willing to say yes to. And even when you and I experience doubts, even when you and I are in that place where we really are struggling to be sincere and to trust and we're wrestling through, like, how is this going to go forward? How are you going to make a way? I don't understand. I'm so grateful for that story where the man has a son who's been consumed, overtaken, filled with a demonic presence that is literally trying to assault his life and throwing him into water and throwing him into fire. And the dad is like at his wits end and he's like begging Jesus, if, if you could do something for my son, would you just please do something? And Jesus has an incredible answer. Mark chapter nine, Jesus said to him, if you can, man, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, oh, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now there's a prayer. And I've said this before about this text in this room many times before. I can't think of a more pure and sincere and trustworthy prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. And those two things can live in us. That's actually the posture we get to take. God, I believe, and where I can't, or where I'm wrestling, or where I'm struggling, would you please show up and help me believe? By the way, God delivered that young man. I believe, help my unbelief. So Mary gets to ask her question. And Gabriel gets to just say this. Well, the Spirit is going to make what you think is not possible, possible. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit of Christmas is actually going to do. The thing that you sense and think is not possible, it's actually po possible. And what's her response? Giddy up. Now, that's, she doesn't say it that way. But in just colloquially, it's just, okay, she says, I'm God's servant, and he can do with me what he wants. Now, there, that's a heart. Come on. Lord, build that in this church. Giddy up. Let's go. Lord, what are you saying? What are you calling me to? Where are you asking me to trust you that I don't want to trust you? Where are you asking me to step out? Where are you asking me to believe? Lord, what are you speaking over my life where you're asking me to take a step in a way or a direction that I maybe have never been willing to go before? You and I can look at things over the last 2,000 years. We can look back and go, look at what God has done in Christ. Look at all the amazing things that God has authored and brought even through his church even the nation that we get to live in and all the freedom that we get to experience and how our lives have hope. Listen, Mary didn't have any of that. 
We can look back at 2,000 years of how God has shown himself faithful and true. Mary doesn't have anything. She didn't know how her parents are gonna respond. I, 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 don't know how, I don't know if they're like a VCR in heaven. I don't know, why did I say VCR? DVD player, I don't know what that is. I can't wait to see that conversation. I bet it was awkward. I just bet it was, man. Well, this is like a first time in the history of humanity situation. That takes some trust. That takes some parents. She didn't know about, by the way, that when you, this thing is almost done, you're going to have to travel down to Bethlehem. She has no idea of the situations. She doesn't know that she's going to end up because of a threat for her son's life. They're going to have to relocate all the way over to Egypt. She doesn't know all of those things. She doesn't know that at some point in time, her husband's not even going to be in the picture, that we have some idea that Joseph passes away somewhere in the middle of Jesus' very young life. She didn't know that God would take her actions and her trust and bring hope to the world forever. No idea I just want to suggest we're here with no idea of what God is going to do next. I have no idea. You might have it. I think you've got it figured out. But I'm going to think that the Lord in through this story is just beckoning and asking us, what are you meant to believe and trust in, to step into? She just kept saying yes. How does she keep saying yes? Spirit of Christmas the Spirit of God, who gives us a yes in our soul. That's what the Spirit of Christmas, if you want to talk about, actually does. He makes the impossible possible, including faith for what you don't even know yet. Including faith for what you don't even know yet. I don't know if you've ever heard that, um, the phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle. Man, there's a, that you can take that one and you can put that into the bag of phrases that you think are in the Bible, like God helps those who help themselves and just flush it. It's not true. God will never give me more than I can handle. Sounds spiritual. But believing that's going to set us up for offense when life feels overwhelming because it will happen. Life's going to feel that way at times. So if you've ever been in that place and you think God's not going to give you something more than you can handle and it feels like it's over your head, there's good news. God's setting you up for encounter with the Spirit who is able to do the impossible. And I know some of your stories, and I know you've faced what feels like the impossible. And God is faithful. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says you won't be tempted beyond what you can, you can bear. It does say that. But that doesn't mean you won't feel like you can't handle it or whatever's coming your way. It doesn't mean that you won't feel that way. I imagine Mary had some kind of thought like, I don't know if I'm actually equipped for this. 
I think that's probably a thought that she had in her mind. I don't know if I'm equipped for this, but hear this. She knew that there was something she had to grab a hold of. It's the same thing we have to. Listen, the challenges and the pains and all of the things that we experience in this life and the calling of God on our lives, hear this, is actually not about us. They're not about what you and I can handle, what you and I are able to take on. Everything that you and I face in this life, the highs and the lows, it's actually about him. And he, when you and I grab hold of him, is able to do the impossible. He can. God's grace is just sufficient to enable me, to move me, to do the things that I cannot do, to persevere when I don't feel like I can keep going on. God's spirit is actually able to give me faith for the things that I can't even see it, to continue to trust him and to step out and to even obey him when it feels like there's not much energy left. I'd venture to say this. I actually think When you sign on to say yes to Jesus, you're signing on to a life of a whole bunch of things that you won't be able to handle. But God, but God. And that's what we see in her journey, the impossible pregnancy, possible. Faith to obey when you don't know how it's gonna play out. Able to wait and to persevere, to see the promise fulfilled to see provision in unexpected ways. You gotta find out, and we find out later in the story, there's three, for all intents and purposes, new agers that are gonna show up with gifts that are probably worth more than what Joseph will make in an entire lifetime. God shows up when he asks you to do, and to step out and to trust and believe him. He comes through, and he will for you, and he will for me. Maybe not in the timing we like and not in the ways we like, but he always comes through. He's the God of the impossible. God regularly is gonna call us, hear this, just like Mary, to be a part of things where we have to absolutely 100% depend on him. Church, that is the Christian life. That's the invitation. You wanna know what this story is about? It certainly is about a miraculous accounting for how the God of the universe came in the flesh. 100% is that. But as you and I dig further into this and as you and I lean further into it, it's actually an invitation to be just like Mary, who is just like us, who feels not always qualified and isn't sure of what the right next step is and doesn't exactly know what it's going to look like tomorrow, but we've got these hearts burning by faith to want to live and honor the Lord. And the Lord's saying, I'm the God who does the impossible. Trust me. Believe me. What do you and I need to believe him for? In new ways, today, not tomorrow, today, just to begin to say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to author? What do you want to create? The good news is the spirit is available to make the impossible possible. And we just get to say yes. So what is it that the Lord's calling us to say yes to? That's what I want to close with. You guys can stand with me.
We just get to use these last few minutes to ask the question. What would the real spirit of Christmas call you to? Where might he be asking you to step out and trust? Would you just ask him? We're going to ask this question. First and foremost, would you just ask this? Lord, is there anything that you've already brought into my life, into my heart, that I'm really wrestling to trust you? Ask him that question. And would you just be honest with the Lord? Because God loves the honesty just like Mary was honest. I don't know how this is going to work. Would you tell him that? I'm going to give you as an act of worship the things that feel impossible to me. Maybe you feel kind of dead inside. Or maybe you've been at a distance with the Lord and it feels almost impossible for something deep within you to be rekindled. isolated maybe you've even been hurt in the past by trying to live in community and it hasn't gone well and you're not sure what right next step to take maybe there's something that the Lord's asking you to step into with your gifts your abilities your talents the things that he's given you you feel like you've been on the sidelines and the Lord's calling you up. Or the Lord's really inviting you to persevere in something that feels like it, it will never happen. Maybe healing. Even in your body. There's something going on in you. And you feel exhausted and you need to be healed. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken.
just do something because we have one minute left. I'm to ask for a little bit of vulnerability. I'm not going to ask you to say any words or anything. But if you do have something that feels a little bit impossible to you, would you just be gutsy and be willing just to lift your hand and say, I'm asking God to do the impossible in my life. Would you just lift it up high and just say, okay, Lord. Yeah. Okay. Lord, in this room alone, with the authenticity and the purity that's in this room, I'm asking you, God, to do the impossible right now all over this room, Lord. You have the timing. You have the way. We don't. But we're asking you right now, do the impossible. Change, transform, heal, set free, restore. Do your work. I'm praying with every family represented here that is in need of you, God, would you come, Spirit of Christmas, Spirit of God, and come in and make a way right now. And would you hold our hearts in the in-between? That's what I'm praying. Hold our hearts in the in-between, but make a way, Lord. Do the impossible. We love you and we trust you. Spirit of God, you get access to our lives to move and shape and transform. Make our hearts ready for what you will do. Make our hearts ready for what you will do. We trust you. We don't know, but we trust you. We don't know how, but we trust you. We don't know when, but we trust you. And we make that declaration today. God, I'm asking for grace for every one of these families to pray that with conviction on a Monday morning. We believe you and we trust you. Have your way. We'll have a few prayer partners. I'd love to pray with you here at the end if you just want some partnership. That's why we're here, to be a family. They'll be up at the front as soon as I dismiss. I just want to pray a closing our benediction over us as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you right now peace. In the name of Jesus spirit is alive within us for all who call in his name we pray amen amen blessings guys love y'all we'll see you next week we'll have a few prayer partners up front